Welcome back to the Kingsway Podcast. Welcome. Hi, we love to have you here. Yes, yes. It's been a minute. It's been over a month since we've recorded. It would be a little different, won't it? It would be a very different. Uh, We kind of, uh, uh, not realizing we probably needed to, we took a break. Yeah. Um, we had August. You know. Oh my gosh, it was a wild ride. We we put on our own camp here at Kingsway, and Ryan and our children's ministry and youth staff, um, they produced the whole thing: uh, videos, yeah. green screen, curriculum. Um, we hosted at a local camp, and it is an all hands yeah. on deck type thing. And so we just got to a point where Ryan was trying to make this happen, and I just said, Ryan. We'll just pick it back up mm-hmm. uh, in September. Yeah. And so we've we've gone a little distance since the last time we started. Yeah. Plus, it was really hot last week. I don't oh remember that. It had anything to do with this, maybe, but, man, it was hot. It well, was not during camp. It was camp not was during the camp, but then the week afterwards, it was the hottest in Missouri it's ever been. It seemed like On it. record. I, I mean, think the I heard 126 was the number we got to. The heat index was crazy. Oh, that was the heat index number. Sorry, not temperature. Heat not index. temperature. Yeah, yeah. Heat I've index. actually seen higher temperatures yes. in my lifetime in Missouri. I lived in Missouri my whole life. But, boy, the humidity combination with the high temperatures was crazy. I'm an Arizona native, and I can tell you right now that is the hottest I've ever felt outside. I mean, just felt. I mean, maybe it's been hotter, but it felt – I literally looked at Katrina, my wife, uh, I think it was the Monday that was the hottest day, and we were outside, and I remember I was like, this could kill people. Like, this is so hot. It was was really wild. And I even think I got a little bit of heat stuff. I got a stomach bug and then was outside too much. I think it it actually zapped me a little bit. So all that to say, Yep. uh, we've missed some weeks, and we're going to make it up all in one session. Oh, my gosh. We're We're going to try. We're going to try. Going back to the Sermon on the Mount, kind of halfway in the Sermon on the Mount, Mm -hmm. starting at chapter 6, verse 19. Uh, Treasures in heaven go through the rest of the what uh, chapter six, mm-hmm. then all of seven, and most of eight. Come along for the journey. Yeah, it's going to be uh, a lot happen. Today. Mm. A lot's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to be a lot. Not in a lot of depth, but nope. a lot's going to be talked about. So. So here's a fun little thing as we uh, jump back into uh, our kind of normal grind. Uh, Ryan wanted me to uh, let you know that we we created little stickers for you. And we're going to have these available. And if you're while listening and you can't see, I'm holding up a little microphone sticker with our it's our podcast logo. Uh, we're going to put these on the front desk out in front of the church. And you can take yeah, one if you would cool. like. Put them on your back window, your car, your the, truck, they're whatever. They're super, super Put colorful. Baby buggy, little fun, whatever. maybe a conversation starter for somebody and yeah. kind of a way to get the yeah. word out there. So... If you're interested in one of those, they're free, and we'll put them, like I said, at the front of the church if you're around. Um, I'm sure my mom will want one. So. I'm sure she will. And your dad. <laughs> and my dad. <laughs> and your brother. And yeah. your sister. Yeah. Whole family. Get them all involved. <laughs> Kids. All of them. Well, I know that you just mentioned we're going to travel a long distance, so we better get going. Um, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, we just finished actually in time a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And I will say, I'll say the same thing. When we got to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, I felt like it's when you get to the end of the Lord of the Rings or you get to the end of any saga. A long journey. There's yes. a temptation to just want to just stump just, right back to the beginning mm, and just start it again. And yeah. it really was a big tug mm-hmm. on me. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, man, I feel like I'm ready to actually yeah. understand what the Sermon on the Mount is about because... Yeah, so I that. preached the first sermon on chapter 8. Mm-hmm. So I was the first sermon leaving. Afterwards. And I was <laughs> like, oh, gosh, we got to leave <laughs> the Sermon on the Mount. There's so much, you know, so rich. And now I'm reading black letters again. <laughs> you don't like it as much. <laughs> yeah, so... But, you know, it worked too. We'll talk about that. Well, but, that's what I, I love that we get to go back and talk about it because yeah. I really wanted yeah. to when we got okay. it. So this is it. So yes. we're jumping into verse 19. Yeah, you want to go to treasures in heaven. So... Uh, 
Starts at verse 19 there. You preached on that. I did. I yeah. preached on I was going to go back and hit a couple of the highlights. Normally we do like a 90-second review, um, but I had I had to go back and look at the sermon to be reminded. That's how yeah. you know it was So just remind me, did you do Treasures in Heaven and Do Not Worry at the same yes. sermon? Okay, so, so you finished out yes. chapter 6. So yes. I did all the way through Do Not Worry. Um, That's uh, the Do Not Worry section, 25 through the end of the chapter, 34. Very famous section. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, Seek His Kingdom, who can add... Uh, worry, but tomorrow by worry yeah. itself. You know, each day has enough worry of its own. Um, one of my favorite. This was. Uh, I think I mentioned this in the sermon, but I studied this for a full year. Uh, I did one of the largest papers that I did in college on this. My exegetical in my senior year that on I had to treasures do in heaven or on the worry. on the do not worry section. Ah, okay. And so the do not worry section and I. Uh, if you study something for long enough, it almost becomes a love-hate relationship mm-hmm. where you're like, I've looked at this and I have looked at this and I have looked at this over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I broke this down into kind of this idea of generosity versus greed. Um, this whole mm-hmm. section right. kind of flows from this conversation and the, the treasures in heaven is based on this idea that oh, we are generous here because God is going to be generous with us later. Right. We are generous here because God has already been generous with mm-hmm. us. Um, so that really blessed the blessed theme was at the center of that whole idea. It's like we do not worry about tomorrow because we are blessed today. Right. And we don't worry about how much we can hoard because we know that God is going to take care of us regardless of right. you know what comes our way. And this world is not our home. Um, yeah. So I had the, the last thing I just said at the, at the very end was we seek him. We are going to be generous because he is faithful. Yeah. And that was, yeah. that was kind and, of the... the and I like those down. two sections together because my reaction, I think most people's reaction to, well, you know, store for yourself treasures in heaven is, well, I'm going to run out of money. I can't do yep. all that. Yep. And then so Jesus comes there in chapter uh, 6, verse 25, and says, don't worry. Mm-hmm. about how you're going to do all this. Yep. Don't worry about the clothes you're going to have, the food, and all this stuff. And I like the fact that Jesus, and I went home and talked to Lynn about this after, or maybe it was before, I said, you know, Jesus is teaching this sermon, doing this sermon. The setting is on a hillside there outdoors. He's yep. doing it outdoors. He's yep. by the sea. He's on this hill or mountain. And so I can just, in my mind's eye, I can see Jesus say, you know, look at the birds mm. of the air. Look at the flowers of the field. And the people actually literally Looking, turning yep. and literally there's a flower yep. or yep. there's a bird. So he's using the things around Absolutely. him. Absolutely. And, uh, of course, he's a really good teacher. And I just like the fact that he uses the classroom as kind of his little lab there to show oh, people, yeah. you know, don't you look at this flower over here, and it's more beautiful than what, uh, Solomon and all his splendor could do. Absolutely. God does that, and it doesn't worry about how it's going to do that. And you remember we expanded on that in, in I think, our discussion both before and then in that, that he picks two things that have no value beyond their beauty. Mm-hmm. Like, the birds can't feed people. Like, they eat them kind of, but yeah. not really. They just kind of, they're just there. Well, another place he says that sparrows are sold in the marketplace mm-hmm. for nothing. Almost. For nothing. And and then the flowers. But he cares for them. Yeah. And, and the, the flowers, flowers are cut, you can't cut eat today. Those. They're thrown yeah, away. Yeah, they're, 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 they're wasted. Yeah, like, this grass that he's talking Talking about these flowers are cut and thrown away. Yeah, they Nobody have cares. no value. No, but yeah, look how value. beautiful they are. Yeah, God uh, takes care. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it really is kind of this, uh, and it is. I mean, it's it's uh, therefore in twenty five, which always connects the, the sections yeah. too, right? Where it's therefore. you know, therefore, yeah, what's, you know, looking back. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. it so always while you're storing up these treasures, uh-huh. while you're being generous, uh-huh. uh, while you're doing these things for me, don't worry about the fact that yep. hey, I may give it all away and I won't have anything. 
and it and it really flows into the next section. And I, we gotta just recognize that we chopped this sermon up, but it flows so well. Mm-hmm. If you try to chop it up, it really loses. And I think that's when we got to the end of it. I was so excited to be like, "Can you see the flow? Can you yeah. see how this all comes?" Because immediately after this, "Do not worry, tomorrow has enough tr- trouble of its own." It goes into don't judge people, and it's mm-hmm. you can tell in chapter one. He's he, you know, the, the temptation is going to be like. Everybody else isn't doing this, you know. Like, what are we talking yeah. about? Like, yeah, uh, like I'm doing this and it's really hard, and they're not doing their, you know, right? Like, they're one, being greedy. <laughs> one thing that that we've talked about with these sermons is how countercultural, yeah, it is. How almost uh, it runs against our normal way of thinking. Yep. Okay. Uh, and so being judgy and all that is very natural, and we shouldn't do that. But going back to chapter 6, he talks about, you know, for the pagans run after these things, verse yep. 32. Mm-hmm. We're not to be like that. We're not yep. to be like the pagans. We're not to be all queued up and worried and how's this going to happen. Yep. But we're to seek first his kingdom and his, his righteousness, righteousness. Yep. and then all these things will be added unto Absolutely. So it's a very non-human way of yep. looking at life and looking at how... And, and, and if we could really do this, boy, think about the stress level that would be re- mm-hmm. eliminated, it would be reduced. And, and I'm and preaching it, to myself right now. So, yeah. you know, it would be something we could really improve our lives. It's the heartbeat of the sermon. Yeah. It's right after the prayer, which is almost the exact wording of what you just said. You know, it's like, your kingdom come, your will yeah. be done, as earth yeah. as it is in heaven. Right. And it's like, what are we preaching? Well, he's saying, store up for yourselves things that, that last and follow the will of the Father, right. you know. Right. And what's the biggest thing that goes against that? Our human nature, our, our worry, our, our our desire to control our will, <laughs> our yeah. you know, our our yeah. our things. It's to put things of God last mm-hmm. and take care of ourselves first. And He says that's that's opposite of what it needs to be. And I think that you know, not not leaving that section too, because it's definitely there's a reason I chose it in college because I could tell. Mm-hmm. This even at the younger age that I had with with uh, you know I think I just had gotten married no kids yet I could tell already that worry had mm-hmm. a wicked power in your life oh, yeah. if you let it very take hold and I think that's that's why when he gets to this next section in one and we'll move on now to chapter, chapter seven to yeah. seven and that that oh. sermon was one through fourteen I think or through thirteen no fourteen that you preached yeah. on one through fourteen one through fourteen and that was the next section that we covered. And I, the judgment thing is one of the most popular things that people like to use that, yeah, that you, are yeah. are in the in the in the church or out of the church. Yeah. It's called it's quoted all the time. You shouldn't right? judge me. You You're judge being judgy. Exactly. Yeah. You're being judgy. And we talked about this. Um, the judgment that, that he's talking about is changing the value of a person. It's using person's performance to determine their value. And right. what he basically is trying to teach is that those flowers of the field and those birds of the air. And the treasures that really matter mm-hmm. <laughs> are different. And yeah. people's value in the Father's eyes should never be judged. Yeah. They shouldn't right. be judged. Yeah. Now, there's... But we have to make discernment exactly. during our lifetime. In fact, the next part of chapter 7, if I recall, yeah, mm-hmm. he talks about uh, false prophets and mm-hmm. true prophets and false disciples and true... Dis- and he talks about, you'll know the fruit, you'll know them by their fruit. Absolutely. So that 
requires us to be yep. discerning. It is, and it's and it's this delicate balance that that Jesus holds. You can tell this with when he's walking with these twelve men, where he knows their hearts and he knows their stupidity and he knows their lack of understanding, but he also simultaneously loves them and and would lay down his life for them. Yeah. And, so and it's, it's it's avoiding that judgmental spirit. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Uh, so it's one thing to be discerning. That's a good thing. Yep. It's, it's good to be wise versus unwise. Paul mm-hmm. tells us that. Bible tells us that in a lot of places. But it's not good to be judgy or judgmental, have mm-hmm. that judgmental spirit. That's what the Pharisees were so guilty of. Oh, they yeah. looked down on everybody oh, with a very judgmental exactly. spirit. Exactly. Uh, and and the disciples themselves, you know, when they would go to a Samaritan vill- village or mm-hmm. somebody outside of the Jewish customs that they were used to, they were very judgmental. Oh, and they had to get over that. I mean, you can't reach people if you're going to be judging them and and looking down on them. Well, and that's the whole idea of the new kingdom. Is the new kingdom is everyone is of equal value. Yeah. Like and and the thought of uh, the thought of grace hadn't really made it in there yet. Right. Like. And, you know, that's, of course, we talked about in chapter six with the prayers, this forget our debtors as you, for, you know, as you forget our debts, like that conversation of like, I make mistakes, right. I don't make mistakes, right. you know, and so him using this really comical line of, you know, why do you try to pick plank the, the and, plank yeah. and the yeah. speck and this yeah. idea of like, it really shows like Jesus is trying to go like, you have no idea how broken right. you are. Right. You know, right. you have no idea how broken you are. And, and. And you're right, because the very next thing that he says is this is going to take a lot of wisdom and discernment. So what is it going to take? Ask, seek, knock. Like when you need help, right. come to me. Right. And guess what? You're right. It is a narrow road to live like this, mm-hmm. to love, to treasure things like this, to, to, to not lust, not be angry, to tell the truth, to pray, to fast, to, to walk with God and to seek his kingdom is narrow. It's a yeah. narrow way to live. Yeah. Yeah, so that section, uh, ask, seek, and knock, that's uh, 7 through 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, Jesus goes back to this issue of prayer, Yep, and that's a big part of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, back in chapter 6, I guess it was, he talked about praying in secret. He yep. gave the Lord's Prayer as yep. an example. Yep. Uh, so here he goes back to the issue of prayer, and you notice ask, seek, and knock, it's like it increases in intensity. intensity yep. <laughs> you know, it starts out with kind of the least invasive, and then it goes to more invasive or more intentional. And then mm-hmm. the knock uh, at the very end, you're like almost knocking down the door to try mm. to. Yeah. So, anyway, it's uh, that's a great section. And uh, I like the fact that the word ask, A S K, is uh, an acronym for. Yep, what he's talking about doing here, and also I like. There's a great song: "Seek ye first the kingdom of God." Yep. Is. But anyway, um, yeah, that's another section where Jesus goes back to the importance of prayer, and yep. then he talks about narrow and wide gates. That's always to me been very bracing, been very uh, scary. Scary. That's a good word for it. Yeah. Um, to know that, yeah, it's if you look at the broad section out there of society. Most of them are not on the road. Well, and this this is the what this is why I think re- redefining and reclaiming that is really important because I although it is salvation and though I definitely think that's ultimately where it goes, I also think it's very applicable because if I take that section and I recognize that being a good parent is a narrow road, mm-hmm. and I recognize that like living the kingdom life for my kids is hard, yeah. Yeah. and there's there's a way that I can tell doesn't bring life to them. Right. And it hurts them, right. and it leaves them wounded, and it leads to right. destruction that's not healthy. 
And if you're driving on a narrow road, especially at night mm-hmm. or in a storm, you got to really focus, really focus on staying on the road. And constant and I, corrections. And I think that's cr- yeah, constant. Const- cor- and here, Jesus, I think you point out the, the Christian life. You got to really focus. It's very intentional. You can't just put on autopilot and hope everything works out. It's got to be very intentional. Yep. On how you lead your life, uh, and most people are going to miss it. Yes. Well, and I think the the whole point too is like if you're walking on something narrow, you're going to get off the road sometimes. Yeah. Like I think that's just the truth. Like it's going to take grace as well as hum- humility, yeah. and it's going to take you coming back and going, nope, this is the spot. I need to stay here. The ending to my sermon for this section was this narrow road is a challenging way to live. It takes constant corrections to stay on a narrow road. Right. Living humbly, generous, truth and grace-filled lives, placing value right. in others. That's that's what this section is yeah. kind of wrapped up to mm-hmm. be. And, yeah. and as this is a description, again, of the kingdom of heaven. This is how we're supposed to do we're supposed to walk hand in hand with God, seeking Him, mm. speaking with Him mm-hmm. every day, and not worrying about what anybody else is doing. Yeah. And not because we don't care, but because He will. He's the ultimate one that's going to lead people and grow people. Right. We don't right. get to play God and, I, and place value in others. Several years ago, I read. Fortunately, it was put in modern English. Uh, Paul Bunyan's book about, or John mm-hmm. Bunyan's book, excuse me, um, Pilgrim's, Pilgrim's Progress. Ooh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it's a great book. I've read it too. Course, yeah, um, and and. It made me think about this because all the time, if you're reading that book, uh, Christian, who's the pilgrim, uh-huh. is all the time being attempted to be distracted and get off the road. Yeah, all and he's constantly times. coming to wise, too, where like the left yeah. or right, and the road to the left looks and looks really open. And challenges like, the whole way, uh-huh. and he's you know tempted to go off to, I think it's Vanity Fair or mm-hmm. Bypass Meadow and all these different yep. places that aren't going to be good for his walk, and, there are and people he has to stay narrow to get to the uh-huh. final destination. Uh, so and yeah, there's people to help him and people to hurt him, uh, and there's distractions. And so that book kind of made me re- reminded me of this section here of the narrow road and staying on the narrow. And it has to be very intentional, and very focused. Oh yeah. Well, and I was I I was thinking of uh, the road to Aramaeus when I was yeah. thinking about this. Where this yeah. this this small little road, and these men are just speaking what mm-hmm. they've heard, and then Jesus is. And they're seeking truth, and they're listening. And then at the very end, they find this one man. Yeah, that leads to you know it's a narrow yeah. conversation. It, it's right. just a narrow opportunity. Right. I, I had that in my mind when I was thinking that. Just yeah. you, so then, then from there, the congruency of this is just amazing. So if it's a narrow road, you have to be careful mm-hmm. because There's even like be. you just said in Pilgrim's Progress, he has different voices that pop up, different people that show up. Yeah. That that tempt, and yeah. so the first thing is the prophet idea. Yeah, they're and, wolves in sheep's clothing. Yes, uh-huh. and the thing that really helped me with prophet is a prophet claims to be the voice of God. Right, he claims to be the, the go between. Yeah. Yeah. Right? right, and so if if you're listening to someone who is not teaching you the correct things about who Jesus is, they are as vicious as wolves. Mm -hmm. They know the words of Jesus, but they have missed the heart of Jesus. They may know the things of Jesus, but they do not know Jesus. And it really helped me to go like, he's talking almost directly to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Like he is right. He's speaking directly to them. Right. And in in Paul, if you go to Acts chapter 20, when he's leaving Ephesus, uh, they're on the seashore there. And he talks about how ferocious wolves will be among you. Even among the elders of the church, there's going to be wolves. So the thing that's scary about this section is false prophets don't show up with a neon sign above no. their head that says false prophet, nope. warning. 
They don't. They show up looking right, looking good, knowing the Bible. Yeah, knowing the Christian right, maybe even morality. Yeah. Knowing, but weaponizing it, treating it as because what a wolf does is he right. leaves injuries, he hurts, he longs to divide, he longs to creep in and take mm-hmm. advantage. And and the thing that I love is like when he says fruits, the fruits of the spirit haven't been written yet by Paul. Like, like yeah, we're not, true. they're not, they're not making that association, but mm-hmm. we have Galatians. Mm-hmm. So we make the association that what he's talking about is these fruits of the spirit. Right. Now, I don't know if that's exactly what Jesus was declaring, mm-hmm. but we know that when Paul makes that list, it makes sense. But Jesus is talking about good fruit, bad fruit. Yes. And I think, you know, all of us intuitively know, hey, this is good fruit. This is bad. Lying fruit. bad, telling truth, good, uh-huh. kindness, good. You know, harshness, bad. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, pride versus humility. Yeah, yes, yes. Treating people with respect versus not. Yes. You and know, those how you treat your family, and yeah. So all that, you know, we can we can tell. Ultimately, it's going to show up in the way you live and the fruit you bear. Yeah, and I, I mean, to give dating advice, if Nina's watching, mm-hmm. um, you know, right. Right, Nina, yeah. she, you're watching. Um, <laughs> she needs advice. Sure. <laughs> or anybody else that's yeah. out there. I used to I used to say this all the time. If you want to know the character of a man, mm-hmm. watch how he treats his mom. Yeah. And if you want to watch the character of a man, watch how he I've treats his an acquaintance. Yeah. The acquaintance is a yellow flag, and his mom is a red flag. If he talks harshly about his mom or to his mom, he mm. will talk to you harshly. Yeah. He will. Yeah. And if he talks harshly to someone he barely knows, mm-hmm. he good. has harshness in his heart. Yeah. And I think this is, a, like, in a small way, this is all Jesus is trying to say. He's, like, right. saying, like, you, you watched right. how he just talked about a person that wasn't in the room and he spoke with anger or he had an opportunity to take advantage of somebody and he did it mm-hmm. and no one saw it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know he yeah. knows about, oh, yeah. but you know, it, it's not even a moral thing. It's like a, it's more than moral. Yeah, it's 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 like those standards that are saying earlier. It's like, yeah, he didn't cheat on his wife, but he's been staring at that girl mm. this whole time. Yeah, you know, he didn't he didn't technically steal, but he wrote that so that he would be to his advantage every mm. single time. Yeah. You know, and that starts to be, a, and then, like you said, those are going to be among us. But I think the scarier one is the next section. Yeah. It is. That's, so the first section there, true and false prophets. prophets. So those are leaders that yep. are not mm-hmm. looking out for the best interest. Of the or church. even just people that are speaking for God, yep. that are trying supposedly, to, you know, supposedly. Yeah. You know. So here, this, this next section, 21 through 23, is false disciples. Which is the people scariest said, section out of the know, whole thing. You know, I we did all this stuff for you, Lord, and he's not letting them in the kingdom. It's a very bracing, uh, scary section. There. I mean, because these is. people are doing things that you and I... Haven't oh, done. We haven't cast, call, out, cast demons. out demons. We haven't performed many miracles. miracles. <sighs> you know, we didn't prophesy in your name. Maybe we said things in your name, but you know, certainly driving out demons, performing miracles—that's outside. So again, we see people. These are perhaps fruits that you would say, "Yeah, that's that's really cool." Yes. But Jesus says plainly, "I will tell them plainly." Verse twenty-three: "I never knew you. Away yeah. from me, you evildoers." So very, very scary section there. And again, it goes to who's a true disciple mm-hmm. and who's a false. It comes down to a relationship with Christ. Yep. I mean, we I used it as the older brother and the prodigal son. Yeah, that's what it that's is. A good analogy. It's that good, it's that concept. It. Yeah, where it's like, Father, I've worked your fields my whole life. I stayed. I did all the things that you asked me to do. Right. But you didn't give me what you promised. You know, and the father's like, everything I have is yours. What are you talking about? Like, yeah. come in and celebrate what my heart celebrates. And he's mm-hmm. like, I want no part of that. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we see that that's like, no, that's not what we want. But, but man, we do that sometimes yeah. if we're not careful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one of the ways we talked about it, I think, is uh, <laughs> what are you most excited about in heaven? Mm-hmm. And how long does it take you to get to Jesus? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're sitting there just listing off your favorite foods and your the places you would go and the people you would get right. to see and all this stuff, yeah, that's great. But how long does it take you to get to, you know, like, the real reason I want to get to yeah. real reason to Jesus? And, like, that's that's ultimately sometimes painful to think through. Um, you know, the end of this section is probably the part that I think most people that aren't even in the church know. It's this idea of the foolish, foolish builder, and builder and the, the good and the wise builder. Yeah. And yeah. I like how I've heard it talked about, and I think it was actually after I preached it, that even if you're not a Christian and you don't follow Jesus, mm-hmm. you know the foundations of your world. Yeah. You know the foundations of your mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what he's basically saying is, even if you just put these words into practice, if you just put these words into practice, they have massive benefits, mm-hmm. massive benefits. Right. Um, we don't talk about equations a whole lot <laughs> yeah, as, as a way to follow Jesus, but he just told you the equation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I referred to this section early on during the Sermon on the Mount because I think it really capsulizes or encapsulates or whatever mm-hmm. you want to say, it, mm-hmm. it brings into focus what Jesus is trying to yes, do here. Absolutely. Okay? So what Jesus is trying to do, he's the new king, he's establishing a new kingdom, and here's the rules of the kingdom, here's the laws of the yep. kingdom, and your job is to hear and to put into practice. Yep. Okay? So as we are listening to the different parts of the Sermon on the Mount, do not worry, or uh, the wide and narrow gate, mm-hmm. or you know, uh, looking at the false and true disciples or prophets, all that stuff. Yep. Uh, going back to chapter 5, you know, uh, loving your enemies, all these things all that are these very things. difficult. Very difficult. Jesus is saying, not just hear them, put them into practice. Yep. And if you do, you're like this person. You're a wise builder, and the storms are going to come. Yep. They come on both the foolish and the wise, and when they do come, Yep. There's going to be a big difference. And you'll know that. You'll know <laughs> the foundation of life. And, you know, there's so many cool things that we didn't get to talk about in the sermon. The ex- the idea of uh, the Shema, the idea of Genesis, um, this concept of words being kind of this catalyst mm-hmm. to, to new things, to Genesis moments. Um, you know, the Spirit of the Lord's floating over the deep, and then he speaks. Mm-hmm. You know, the Shema, yeah. hero Israel, yeah. hero Israel yeah. is yeah. the start. Um, the concept of like take in these words. This is the this is really important things. Mm-hmm. Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. Um, that that type of concept, and then Jesus to basically go those of you that hear these words, mm-hmm. that is going to start the new kingdom, mm-hmm. and also be the place of your action. And then I love the idea of the stone, which we pulled out. Mm-hmm. The concept that Peter's confession is called a rock of who Jesus is, mm-hmm. and then of course. Uh, Isaiah talking about Jesus being the cornerstone mm-hmm. of this new kingdom, right. which would which would be the elaboration of of the the, the temple, this concept mm-hmm. of this new dwelling place of God, this new Jerusalem. Right. And then First Peter, we're living. Stones. Yes, and then we become the living stones of the kingdom. We mm-hmm. we line ourselves up with the cornerstone, and as we do that, we lay the foundation not just for our individual lives, right. but for kingdom. Right. Uh, expression and growth, which mm-hmm. which is wild and such a cool like thing that, that just draws from the yeah. very first to the end. Yeah. yeah, and then when Jesus is done with his teaching, we have oh, verse man. 28, that the crowds were amazed mm-hmm. at his teeth. They were uh, sitting there. I just see them stunned almost at the end. Yep. <laughs> They're like, are you done? This is 
Oh, Amazing. Man. Uh, because he taught as one who had authority. We'll talk about that in chapter 8. But we see here that the king had authority. He's, yep. he's the ultimate authority, the ultimate, ultimate teacher. And that's exactly the, the, the springboard king. into chapter 8. I yeah. mean, it really is. I mean, have you ever been to a movie when the movie stopped and then no one leaves? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very rare, but yes. Um, can you think of a movie when that happened? Yeah, Lynn and I saw... <laughs> Way back in 92, I believe, uh, Clint Eastwood had a movie. It's the best one he ever did, I think, called uh, Unforgiven. Un- Unforgiven. Yeah. Un- not Forgiven, but Unforgiven. Yep. And that was such a powerful movie. It won Best Pictures, I it recall, that such year. But good... I just remember walking out of there. Just we did, we did leave, but we were just in silence. We couldn't really talk for a while until we got to the car and kind of let it process. Yeah. Because it was so powerful about life and death and taking oh, people's that lives. That scene in the movie, I've killed everything that's walked, crawled, yeah, or went on yeah, this earth, and I'm here very, to kill very, you, Billy Bob. Yeah, it's such a dark mm. movie. Well, yeah, and then, so it took us a while to kind of get out of that and hole. I, and I remember, you know, I saw a documentary on Mr. Rogers, um, mm-hmm. and it wasn't the one that uh, Tom Hanks did. It was the actual documentary mm-hmm. Um, I think it's called Won't You Be My Neighbor or something. But I went and saw it by myself, and I sat next to uh, a granddaughter, a mom, and then a grandma. And they had three girls, three oh, ladies. Three generations. Three generations oh. that had all grown up watching him because oh, he had yeah. been doing it. And they, uh, they had a fundraiser before you walked into theater. It was 25 cents per tissue. <laughs> and they had like four boxes of tissues. Okay. They sold out. <laughs> they sold out. Raised money. So the end of the movie, I don't want to, you know, obviously he's dead now, but I remember the end of the movie being this scene where he's dying and his wife comes in and he, she goes, do you think I'm a sheep or a goat? Talking That's what he says to he her. He says to her. Yeah. And she goes, he goes, she goes, sweetie, if you're a goat, we're all screwed. <laughs> we're all screwed. <laughs> big trouble. We're all in big, we're all screwed. And, the movie ends with his speech on uh, when he aw- received the award where yeah. he goes, think about somebody you love mm-hmm. and take a moment. And he yeah. just lets it sit there. And then the movie ends. Mm. And it was like one of those, no yeah. one left. Everybody's <laughs> just in there crying. No. And I, I, I just wonder if that's not what's happening yeah. here. How long did it take for the crowd to leave? Like they're sitting there amazed and stuff, but Jesus walks off and they're all just like, you know, I got to go home and rethink my life. Like, you yeah. know, what I mean? like, what, what, how do I tell my wife about this? How do I go back and tell my friends about this? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. what, what's yeah. going to change? And I've always wondered what the crowd was like. Maybe the crowd got bigger as he went. I don't know how long the sermon took. Yeah, no. But, uh, you know, obviously the 12 disciples were there, but there were lots of other yes. disciples. No, when I say lots, I don't know. Well, and, I mean, what, what does it say? I mean, I think at the very beginning it says when he saw the crowds, right. you know, it's it's this concept of like there's definitely a, a large group of people that's here. And he's like, you know what? Let's all sit down. We're going to have a talk. Yeah. Well, um, in verse 8, it says in verse 1, or chapter 8, verse 1, it says when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds yeah. followed him. So. I don't mm-hmm. know if the crowds got bigger as he was talking or yeah. they started out large, but um, there was a crowd. There was people more than just the 12. Um, so then you want to move to chapter 8? Yeah, let's okay. Move to so chapter, chapter 8, eight um, that's what I preached on the first 17 verses. Uh, I preached on the three, there's three miracles there. And so uh, there's the uh, cleansing of the leper, mm-hmm. there is the healing of the centurion's servant who apparently was paralyzed. And then finally, there was the healing of Jesus, or Peter, excuse me, mother-in-law, who had a fever. And so, and then it says, kind of a summary statement in verse 16, that many demon-possessed were, uh, the the demons were driven out. And also, uh, he healed all the sick. So, 
It's um, wild. Yeah, yeah. So he, uh, you know, there's there's a lot there. So we get into the section here, as you mentioned mm-hmm. to us to me earlier, where Jesus is not speaking about being a king. He is acting. He's, he's like the king. doing it. So Matthew here is portraying Jesus not, and I talked about this in the sermon. You know, went all the way back to chapter one, where we had the royal line. Yep. We had the uh, we had the wise men show up, and so they crowned him as king, and he was baptized as a king. So all this stuff is he's going to be the king, and then he mm-hmm. he actually walks on in the stage, and he goes up on a mountain, and he delivers the law. Okay, well you've yep. done all that, but you haven't acted. Yep, you haven't sat down on the throne, if you will. And shown us you're the yep. king. Okay, well, now we're going to do that in yep. chapter 8. <laughs> yep. uh, and it's also in chapter 9, which we'll get into today. But Jesus mm-hmm. does a whole bunch of miracles. So yep. he has uh, the miracle of cleansing the leper. So he takes this... Leprosy is really, I think, oh, yeah. a, a vision or a symbol of sin, sin. how it 100%. covers the whole body. It starts out small, but then it, well, it and takes an, over and it ruins everything. It's an internal thing that then finally comes out as yeah. an expression, and it's a numbing thing, right? Yeah, Where like, yeah. it numbs you. It excludes you yep. from from the temple, excludes you from others. Uh, so it's, it divides like, like sin does. It divides us from others. So uh, Jesus... You know, cleanse him of that. Uh, tells him, "Don't uh, don't go tell anybody, but go to the priest and offer the gifts that Moses commanded." Yep, yep. So we have that miracle, and then we have the miracle in the middle of the faith of the centurion, and I think that's so awesome because the centurion then talks about this idea of Jesus' authority, and he says, "I'm a man under authority. I tell yep. this guy to do this, and he does yep. it." And he says, "I know Jesus that if you just say the word, yep. you don't need to come to my house. Please don't. Yep. Uh, just say the word." And it says that Jesus was amazed. He saw. He, you know, he said, I, "I haven't seen this kind of faith in anywhere in Israel." Yep. And here's this pagan centurion yep. occupying Roman, yep. unclean person. He has so much faith, yep. and it says Jesus was amazed, which I thought was amazing that Jesus could be amazed. But <laughs> which, it, when you said that in your sermon, I, I hadn't caught that, so I was like, "Wait, that is wild!" Like he's, yeah, he's like. like Taken aback. I'm like, surprised. I can't believe you. Yeah. Did that. You know, in my mind, I'm like, wait, wait a second. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, how human is he? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm like, how human is yeah. he? You know, is that the human side of him that's just kind of mm-hmm. like, hmm, interesting? Yeah. And the interesting thing also is that Jesus twice in the New Testament is amazed here at the mm-hmm. centurion's faith. And in Mark chapter 6, he's amazed at the lack of faith in yeah. his hometown of Nazareth, yep. which is all Jewish. I th- you know, I think it's pretty much all Jewish. <laughs> You've known so me since I was He's amazed at their lack of faith. He's amazed not to find faith where he expects to find faith. Yep. And he's amazed to find faith, faith where, he, where he wouldn't expect it. So it's kind of an interesting, I think. Uh, that's wild. There. Uh, so hmm. we talked about the authority there, and I think that's such an interesting uh, section there and I and and then finally, I, and I like this little part where he heals Peter's mother. Yes, I love that. And too. it's the I, I like that because it's not a big showy miracle. Mm. It's it's pretty much a kind of the run the mill miracle, you know. Oh, yeah, it's kind of your everyday poor man's miracle, if you will. And I like that because I like the fact to think that Jesus and God cares about the little things in your life. Oh, um, I, I, when you said that, that that spoke to me probably the most out of the whole thing, and I hadn't connected it in that really neat way where it's like, you know, God does care about your car, and he does care about mm-hmm. when you have a cough, and he does care about when your kid skins his knee. Or, you know, the he, everyday he cares yeah. about the small yeah. little yeah. things. And, yeah. you know, I think that's the Lazarus thing that we have talked about. Like, Jesus never rushes through our grief. He never rushes through our pain. He's always mm-hmm. present in that. And I always I like this because he's not just going like, eh, she'll be fine. 
you know, like he comes in and is like, let me help. And and I thought about this verse this week. Uh, our dogs, I told you about this. Yeah. We have two dogs. They ran off for some reason. Sunday we came home for church. They weren't there. And they were gone all night. They're gone. <laughs> never. This yeah. never has happened before this long. And we live out in the country, and I, I prayed really hard. And, you know, it's just for some dogs. You know, it's no big deal. Yeah. It, it, you but think. It's a I mean, big... it, but it, it's just one of those little things of life, in a sense, uh, but we were very, my wife and I were really upset and couldn't sleep very well Sunday night. And I prayed really hard. And I woke up Sunday, Monday morning. And I remember I said this to God when I'm really in trouble, here's my prayer God, show me your glory. Mm. Just show me, just show up today. Show mm-hmm. me your glory. Yeah. And that was at about five o'clock. I got up early. I couldn't sleep. And at seven o'clock, I got the call mm. from this guy who said, Hey, I think I have your dogs. And he was two and a half miles from her. He was That's way far. I would have never yep. suspected they'd gone that far and landed this particular house. And this guy was, you know, calling. And I and I recognized right there, God cares about the little things, mm. the everyday things. And that is such a comfort to know. Because mm. life is made of little things. It's not just the big showy no. stuff. Uh, you know, it's not just the the leprosy and the paralysis that he heals the first part. It's the little fever that he heals. And, and I, it's interesting to me, at least, Jesus isn't really asked to, to heal Peter's mother-in-law. He just goes in and does it. Well, in my mind, once we, we find out there that Peter's married, yeah, and I'm sure Jesus loves who, who we love, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah. so if yeah, he's right. hanging out with Peter and Peter's wife's, you know, mm-hmm. I mean— how can he not go she in She was there? probably, I mean, Peter's wife was probably worried. Oh, Peter was probably worried. worried. I guarantee you. Didn't. Peter's been traveling. He comes home, finds out his mother. Jesus yeah, with yeah, yeah, he's got all these other things. You know, he's got demons to throw out I was, people and stuff. I was talking through a sermon that Lito's going to be preaching here in a week, and one of the things we talked through is he was talking about how um, um, they're, they're doing a series called uh, Jesus' Interruptions. And so just yeah. the moments that he's interrupted ended up yeah. being like some of the most providential moments. Mm-hmm. And so... Well, one of the statements I came up with and we were talking through is they said, so anytime anything becomes an inconvenience, all it needs to do to be turned into providence is it's less about the inconvenience or less about you getting hurt and more about placing value in someone else. So the only difference between inconvenience and providence is my choice to invest in someone else and not myself. Yeah. That's yeah. the only difference mm-hmm. is most of the time it's me choosing to see the opportunity to, to, to value someone else more than what I'm losing. And that's the difference between an inconvenience and providence. Jesus always chooses to place value in someone else mm-hmm. rather than himself. Mm-hmm. And that's the only reason nothing's an inconvenience for him. Yeah. It's just yeah. never an inconvenience. No, I can place value in you. Yeah. Jesus makes it a teaching opportunity. He does. You know? He just turns it and uses yeah. it every time. Yeah. And yeah. so I find it curious that we get these awesome things that that end that section. And I thought you did such a good job of talking about the authority of Jesus as something that all of us are going to have to come under. Right. And there, that there always is going to be. And this authority isn't domination. I mean, that's that's the nice thing. It's mm-hmm. like, and we're going to see this authority even get expanded mm-hmm. over the next couple sections here, the last two yeah. that we're going to get to. I, I just listened to a great sermon by Tim Keller, which is kind of an oxymoron. Yeah. That's kind of yeah, a it's like, superfluous a sermon. <laughs> a sermon, not has to be. But what was what really struck me about it, he was talking about demon possession and, and yeah. Jesus. Anyway, he he talked about how we need to be possessed by Jesus. We always think of possession as mm-hmm. a bad thing or authority as a bad thing, but we need to be possessed by Jesus. Another way to look at that is be under the authority of Jesus, yeah. mm-hmm. and we view that as such a negative thing sometimes of authority, especially in our culture. But that's a really good thing. Oh no. Being possessed is a good thing if it's you're possessed by the right by the when right I, thing. When I Jesus. am possessed by love, mm-hmm. yeah. I love my life well. Yeah. 
when I'm possessed by selfishness, right. I do not love well. And I think the Bible teaches that we're going to be we're going to be possessed by something. Oh, a hundred percent. Okay, so and that's Jesus, the whole indwelling and, of the Holy Spirit. You can even straighten your life out and think, oh, things are good. But Jesus said that house, when it's straightened out and it's looking good and it's empty, it's going to be filled. Mm-hmm. And it better be filled by Jesus, because not there's going to yeah. be seven demons that are coming and make it worse than you were before. Whitewashed tombs, right? You look great. Be, yeah. Well, you're going to be worse than you were before mm-hmm. if you do it in your own strength. You well, need to be under Jesus' authority because He can guard the door. Mm-hmm. He can keep out the. I bad mean, that's stuff. an addiction. Addiction uh, therapy will tell you too. Anybody that's been through any kind of addiction, you try to help somebody through any kind of addiction. You know this. Uh, that if you just get them to stop the current addiction without replacing something, right. they'll just they'll just transfer it. Right. They'll just go to something else mm-hmm. and be addicted by that because the the goal is not to get them to stop. It's to recognize that they're filling their life with something that is unhealthy. Right. And There's they need an some underlying cause. Yes. And, and we so, want to treat the symptoms. symptoms. Yep. That's what we want to do. Just knock this off rather than right. recognize what what is leading you to think that this is what you need. Right. Like where's the hole? So you know, part of the part of the journey that you have to go on is to go to the bottom of like what what is at the root of the cause of some of this. Right. And I think sin ultimately is is just selfishness. If we're being real, we think we can figure it out. So the last section here, we've yeah. done such a good job. Eighteen through twenty-seven. Eighteen through twenty-seven. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the cost of following Jesus. Mm-hmm. Probably some of the the most uh, I would say a little bit ambiguous mm-hmm. uh, answers that we've heard yeah. from Jesus at yeah. this point. Yeah. Right. Um, so he has two questions. One, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Where are you going? Um, and of course, Jesus answers with like one of the most confusing: "So foxes have den, birds have nests, but uh, Son of Man has nowhere to yeah. lay his head." Um, and at surface value, that is like one of the like, yeah, uh huh, okay, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, what do we do with it? Got enough money uh, for a hotel room? And, or they don't even they even record a response. Yeah. I mean, that's the yeah, best part. There's, think, no, there's no response. Yeah, you don't know. The guy should have said, "Okay, that's fine with me. I'll go." <laughs> but I mean, the implication is the guy turned around and uh-huh. said, "No, I don't want to." Do and it really is. I t- taught this just just a few days ago, but um, it really was an opportunity for him to basically the way I the way the easiest way to do this is go like, "Hey, uh, Jesus, uh, what party are you a part of?" And I- I'll join it. Yeah, like that was like, are you Democrat or Republican? Uh, are you are you a Jewish rabbi or are you uh, uh, mm-hmm. are you Nazarene? Like he's trying to figure out. Where's this leading to? Mm-hmm. Like, what right. team are uh, are you on? Right. And I will go wherever you go. It's it's an allegiance thing. It's like uh, the commander type thing. And I, you really see that Jesus is going like, buddy, I'm on no one's team here but God's. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for a place for me to find a team in man, and no, I don't have a right. team in man. I'm on God's team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it really is this like idea of like, I don't rest with man. I rest with God right. and I'm not with God right now. So there's nowhere for me to rest. <laughs> Verse 18 says that when Jesus saw the crowd around mm. him, he gave orders to cross the other side of the lake. And yep. Then a teacher of the law came. So I get the feeling this teacher wanted to be around the crowds. He saw something really popular yeah. going on here. Yeah. And Jesus is saying it's not always going to be. In fact, it's going to be very difficult. Oh, you're going to have to give up a whole lot to follow, and you're not going to be at peace. I mean, that's the ultimate goal here. Is like this is not a place of like that. This isn't going to provide what you think it's going to provide. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, We're, uh, you know, we had a really good day today on the Sermon on the Mount, but Mm -hmm. uh, or healing people. We had a really good day, but it's not every day. Is not going to be no. And and you need to recognize that like this is. I'm not going to finish my work in a peaceful way here. Yeah. Like this is not going to just be like a, 
a conquering thing where all of a sudden one day everybody's just going to be like, wow, yeah. that's so good. Yeah. And I, you can see that by the way the question's left unended. And then just another question comes up, which I don't know if you heard me bring this up, but it's so funny. Like these are just popcorn. Mm-hmm. Like you're wondering if this guy was sitting right next to him and he's like, ah, that was a dumb question. Or like, <laughs> yeah. you're like, yeah. you're like yeah, next was, one. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that before, but yeah, it could be. The guy's like, oh, okay, well, let me try this one. Or if his confidence waned, yeah. he was like, oh, like, maybe hmm. this, I'm, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it. Um, but then the next question, uh, Lord, uh, let me go and bury my father and then I'll come or let me go and bury my father and, and uh, first. And or let me first go and bury my father. Right. I I think the uh, this is probably the easiest one to misinterpret. Mm-hmm. Seems harsh. It does. Oh my gosh! Because what does he say? Uh, follow me and let the the dead bury the the dead. Yeah. Uh, we talked through a bunch of different uh, things. Ryan did some really good research in our our thing, and we really we we batted this around a little bit um, in our meeting beforehand. Um, and then later that week, I, I read something. I forget where I found it, but they were talking about just the concept of uh, shame and honor culture mm-hmm. and just the idea that the father maybe didn't approve of of this son following Jesus. Um, and so he wanted to honor his father and mother right. by going home and, you know, basically yeah. not, not rebelling in his father's eyes mm-hmm. uh, by following Jesus and that that was most likely what he was trying to do. And Jesus' harshness, is because this is a life and death choice. Yeah. Yeah, I think the guy's... I think what he's telling Jesus is not now. Yeah. I'll follow you later when mm-hmm. I've got all my affairs put in order, yeah. and I think you mentioned this. When thing. it's not inconvenient. When it's not inconvenient. And, you know, the Jews back then, they buried their dead within 24 hours. So yeah. dad is not dead yet. Dad's he, not dead. He'd be at the funeral if he were. Yep. Dad's still alive and well, and maybe kicking around for another 10 years. Who knows? Yep. Um, 20, who knows? And And Jesus said... You know, I need a commitment right yeah. now, right here. And I think his harshness is only, I only find the harshness to make sense when you recognize that 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 narrow road, that wide road. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going like, you don't have time to wait. Like yeah. you got to come now yeah. and yeah. let the dead bury the dead. Is like, hey, you'll miss this, mm-hmm. and like you'll end up, yeah, dead. Like right. this, you're gonna yeah. miss the ship. Like, and, and I think that's one of Satan's really, really oh, good yeah. tactics is to say, oh, wait a minute. You don't have to do it today. That's, There'll be a better time later. I heard the one of the best intros to a sermon in a long time. Um, golly, it's been. It was from uh, James River. Uh, what's mm-hmm. his face? He's John Lindell. He, he, John Lindell. He did it probably about two months ago. Lindell. He, Lindell. He's a, he uh, Lindell, Lindell. quoted the screw tape letters, and he said, yeah, yeah. Uh, first yeah. demon came to Jesus and said, or came to the devil and said, "Hey, I got a great plan. Teach them that heaven's not real." And the devil says, they'll never believe that. Yeah. They know there's more. And then the next demon comes <laughs> they won't buy that. and says, uh, teach them the hell's not real. And he goes, ah, yeah, maybe we're for a little bit, but they'll end up, they'll feel guilty and they'll, they'll realize that yeah. they're not on the yeah. right path. And the third demon comes and goes, just tell them to do it tomorrow. Mm. Very effective. And he goes, that'll work. That'll work. That'll play. That'll work. That'll work. And so in my mind, yeah. I think that's exactly what's going on here. He's like, you know what? Mm. Tomorrow. Yeah. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. And oh, that tomorrow just, leads to tomorrow. So yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty bracing. Okay, let's talk about the storm. So the storm, probably my favorite thing to preach. Yeah. If, I'm, if I'm being honest, this yeah. is one of my favorite things to preach. And that's uh, verses 23 mm-hmm. through 27 of Matthew 8. Yep. Um, 
few really cool notes, and we we talked about this a lot. But man, I love that the first section of this is Jesus not resting, and then the first thing that we find is the storm pops up. <laughs> I haven't thought about that before, asleep. but that is really really and good. I insight. just can't. That's can't, really I, Jesus was sleeping. I can't imagine these guys like you just said you can't sleep, and now you're asleep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no place to read. Yeah, At Mark's gospel, which uh-huh. talks about this, says is he's laying on a pillow. Yeah. His head is on a pillow or something like that. So there is, that's why he's laying his head what on What do you think about me talking about it like white noise? Like this is a comforting thing to him. Like this yeah. is something he's created. Mm-hmm. He's used to it. In fact, it's a. It's almost like a sweet sound to him. This storm is... Apparently it's not bothering him, it so doesn't. it's working somehow. It, in my mind, I'm going, this is a beautiful thing my father's created. Yeah. I've seen this. I love this. This is so you cool. You know, it reminded me, it's a different story, but if you remember uh, Jonah... Yeah. During the storm and the ship, he's downstairs fast That's asleep. asleep. He's, he's, not he's there to wake him up and say, "Hey, don't you care?" <laughs> so it's kind of the same it's scenario. The same scenario. Which I I think it is meant to be that that Jonah is the exact opposite of what Jesus is yeah. in the entire thing. Yeah. He's running yeah. he's from running God's away plan. From God doing you know, I knew you'd be a gracious God that would let them off the hook. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know. But Jesus has a pretty harsh reply here after he he's woken up. He, he says, uh, "You have little faith." Why are you so afraid? I'm like, yeah, it's real, real. We've got a storm here that can kill people. Yeah, it killed my granddad. Yeah, like, you know, like, I know people that have been killed in a storm just like this, Jesus. And, and these are experienced fishermen. At least some of them are. Yeah, they're not just making up no. a problem. This is a real. real and if the wind problem. are coming over the way, I mean, yeah, the, it's it's real. Like the boat could be swamped, swamped. You yep. know, and I. I thought about several years ago with the ducks incident. Yeah, you, know, you see that like video in, in your mind. James it's River. such a horrible thing. Oh, like I remember you know, like hearing that on people table were rock. Killed yes, that. and yeah. they're like watching them try to make it, yeah, and it's, it's not awful. working. And so this is a real problem. And real Jesus thing. gets up and says, "Why are you so afraid?" Yeah, and, like, well. and I I struggled with that one. I'm not going to lie because I I really in my mind I, I'm just like why why would he say it this way yeah. because in my mind like why wouldn't you go like hey hey I'm it's okay like yeah. comfort them yeah but it, it's not and it really uh, the only I said what I I came up with because that was the only explanation I could possibly come up with is the gap between what they were afraid of and what they could control was what they were scared of right right and that is so small in his mind that actually takes more faith <laughs> than to understand the gap between who God is and how much how hard this storm is to conquer. Like he's like, yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah. Like you you think I'm mm-hmm. that small? You think that I can't? <laughs> you know. And so right. in his mind, he's like, your view of God is so small. Not you. it's right. like your faith amount. No, no, no. Size mm-hmm. like size. Like you have not understood how large I am. Right. Right. He wants the focus to go off of. Whoops. Mm. Go off of them and onto him. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so, you know, I use that gap of like the smallness of their belief in who God was was this big. Yeah. And he got up going like, no, no, guys. I'm like, the gap between how strong this storm is and who I am is massive. Like I am I am way above this storm. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to that do not worry part. Yes. All the way back in chapter six. Okay. So Jesus is basically saying, don't worry, I've got this, guys. I, I'm bigger than, I created the storm, I created this lake, I created everything around here. Yep. I can take care of it. Well, and it, it just attached to so many things in my mind. The, the one, A, um, you build your life on these words. Mm-hmm. His words it's, spoke. It <laughs> so he's like, calm, and yeah. it immediately goes away. Yeah. Um, B, um, 
it wasn't hard. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to con. He didn't have to charge up, right. say some massive Wave prayer, arms, do yeah. anything. He was just kind of like, "Hey, chill." Like, yeah. and it was over. And in my mind, that that had to have yeah. just been the most chilling yeah. thing. Is that it's not like this was even difficult for him. Says he rebuked. I think in uh, Luke or Mark's gospel that tells this story, he just says two words: "Be quiet." Be quiet. Yeah, that's it. Just two words. <laughs> you know, and and if you noticed. Back in verse 18, it says Jesus gave orders. Yep. This is to the disciples to cross the lake. Yep. Uh, so now he gives orders to the storm. So he has control over the disciples. He also has control. But I want what I liked in this particular little story is notice that the disciples were exactly where Jesus told them to be. In the they storm. were in the center of the will of God. Mm-hmm. And yet in the storm. a storm came. Uh, okay, so in life, a lot of times we can be in storms because we are outside of God's will. Mm-hmm. We are sinning. Mm-hmm. We've ignored yeah. God, whatever. And yeah, storms can come, and Jesus sure. can come and help. But sometimes we haven't done anything wrong. Nope. Sometimes we haven't sinned. We've done exactly what God told us to do, and yet the storm comes. Yep. I think just the concept of at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, "When, not if." Yeah, it's when the storm right. will come, and yeah. it's it's not enough. And I think one of the things Jesus is teaching his disciples, and by extension teaching us, is he wants us to have a supernatural reaction to storms. Mm-hmm. If you notice the disciples, if you think about Paul, Paul was in a storm on a boat. Oh yeah, going over to Rome, yep. and this huge storm comes. It's horrible. That for two weeks, this nor'easter is blowing them all over the yep. place. They, the they can't get out of it. They're throwing tackle and stuff over the ship. They're trying to lighten the load. Yep. They don't eat for two weeks. Yep. And the only calm person in the whole <laughs> storm is the prisoner, Paul. Paul. <laughs> Paul. Uh, he's he. If you look at him, he is acting supernaturally calm. Yep. To a horrible storm. And the disciples themselves, you think about John and Peter, and they're facing the Sanhedrin there in chapters 4 and 5 of Acts. They're, their lives are being threatened. Mm-hmm. They're thrown into jail. They have supernatural, they have storms that are coming at them, and they react mm-hmm. in a supernatural calmness. Well, and that, I mean, the ending of the sermon was just the concept of, like, your faith is revealed in the storm. And yeah. I actually, I hate that that's the way that sometimes it has to happen. And then I, I don't know if you remember, I ended with the concept, too, of like faith in the face of fear always produces fruit, mm-hmm. and your fruit is not always for you. And that's yeah. what Paul does. Yeah. Paul, what being who he is, the fruit of his faith is that everyone on that ship is saved. Yeah, No one dies. Yeah. They all get to land, and all, 257, all, I think all of them make it. You yeah. know? And like yeah. in my mind, I think that's, if you want to know what your faith can produce, you know, watch what it can do in the storm. Yeah. Like watch what it can do. And John wrote, and I think it's First John four four, that he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I think Jesus wants to know that no matter what the storm is, and no matter how real it is, it's a real storm. Mm-hmm. I'm there. I'm bigger than the storm. I'll take care of it. And in the end, you're going to get to the other side of the. You're going to get to the other side of the lake. Yeah. Because I said we're going to the other side of the lake. So I didn't mention this in the sermon, but how, how, how much do you think these disciples are connecting that, that Jesus isn't calling out to God to calm the storm? 
I think they're connect. They're starting to make the connection because <laughs> like, they say at the end they were amazed or afraid. Yeah. Actually, Luke has both of them. He says yeah, they were amazed, amazed and, and afraid, terrified. And yeah. terrified. <laughs> and said to each other, "What kind of man is this? Yep. That even the wind and the so waves." So they're not accrediting the miracle to God. They're accrediting it to, <laughs> to him. him. And then they're starting to think, "Well, because I think that? back to the prophets. I think back of the amazing things that have been done by Moses. But all of them have to call on God mm-hmm. in order to do this thing." Right. And even when Moses does it the way that God doesn't right. act, he's cursed, you know. And the thought here of like Jesus doesn't stand up and go, "Oh God, no, King of the Universe," you yeah. know, calm the sea. He just gets up and does right. it himself. And he has authority over nature. So yes. we've seen him having authority over demons. We've yep. seen him having authority over diseases. The smallest of things the to the largest things. of things. Now he has authority. <laughs> Even over nature itself. Yep. yep. And so uh, he has this authority. We're going back to this idea of authority, and he's the king. Yep. And again, Matthew is painting a picture here yep. of the of the king and and what his authority looks like. It's going to be a beautiful continuation too, because the last two, just to give you a preview, are are demon possessed and then paralyzed. And the mm-hmm. beauty of those is the demon is the opposition yep. to his authority, and then the paralyzed is the very dead, the very thing that is lifeless is yeah. brought back to yeah. life, and yeah. it's Ezekiel 37. So it's just really cool, exp- mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. Isaiah 35 is what we're going to use, this idea of just the, the, how you'll know he's the son of man, how you'll know he's the son right. of God is he does this stuff. He does these stuff. <laughs> this is the stuff he's going yeah. to do. Yeah. So yeah. it's pretty yeah. powerful stuff. Yeah. Um, well, you stuck along. You did it. We're Thank all you. the way at the end. Oh, how long we I don't even know. Either. Longer than normal. <laughs> um, we really appreciate it. Yeah. I hope this was a fun journey for you, and uh, we're, we're excited to uh, continue um, we have one more sermon that we're going to do this week in Matthew, um, and then we're going to take a little bit of a break in September to kind of do a really neat uh, relationship series to kind of start the fall. Um, but hope this has been a helpful thing for you. And yeah. I, I, if you yeah. stuck around this long, gold star. Um, appreciate you, Mom. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, as always, if you want to subscribe, like, share, um, leave a review on any of the podcast apps, we always appreciate that. Leave a comment or, or send in if there's anything you want to hear us uh Uh, Talk about more if there's questions that we didn't get to that you have. We'd we'd always love to handle those. So as uh, as always, have a great and glorious day in the Lord. We'll see see you later. later.